In 2 Samuel 5, we will watch David make Jerusalem his capital. Jerusalem is an amazing city. If you ever get a chance to go there, a million people are packed into this small place. And the reason is, is because it's a special city. It's a place that God said he would write his name forever. We'll look at the city of the great king today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. David was a man after what? God's own heart. And God took him from shepherding sheep and brought him to shepherd his people Israel. He was the unexpected leader, though he was brave and courageous. And David would be the shepherd of God's people. What made David a man after God's own heart? I would say in some ways you have to think about God being a shepherd and David having those shepherd-like qualities. We see the world right now today. Many people running around, they are like sheep without what? A shepherd. The world needs a shepherd and we have a good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. His name is Jesus. The question is, will you follow him? He says, my sheep know my voice and they what? They follow me. That's what he wants. He wants us to follow him. All the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, verse 3. King David made a covenant with them before the Lord. At Hebron, they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in, notice, in Jerusalem, here's the city of God, and this is the, the mention that will now Jerusalem will really take center stage for the life of Israel from this point forward. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. So now you can see Israel and Judah is the 12 tribes coming together, unified under the king, under King David. He's brought unity. They've recognized that he is the rightful king. David is God's shepherd. And they have now made a covenant with him under David. Now the king and his men, 2 Samuel 5, verse 6, went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites. Now if you're interested, the name Jerusalem means teaching of peace or founded peaceful. It is the city of peace. When you think of the word Jerusalem, S-A-L-E-M is at the end. The word for peace in Hebrew is the word shalom. So this is the city of peace, the city of God, a city that is supposed to be a place where people find peace, but they had found anything but that for much of the history of Jerusalem. Would you agree? You read some of the history of Jerusalem and you think, man, war after war after war. The city first appears in Genesis 14, to my knowledge, or at least reference to it is, is made. And here's what's happening. Abram has just gone after to rescue Lot. And he's gone and defeated some kings led by Chedorlaomer. He was the founder of Cheddar Cheese. Um, no, I'm just kidding. He, he really wasn't. But, and so um, he, he wins the victory with 318 trained men from his household. He rescues Lot, his nephew, brings them back. Uh, you know, is, is able to save a lot of people and, and including somehow the king of Sodom. And in Genesis 14, the king of Sodom meets 
Abram, I'm sure, in gratitude, he wants to offer Abram some things. And then all of a sudden, this mysterious figure appears. He's written about in the book of Hebrews, and his name is Melchizedek. You remember him? Some people say Melchizedek. Who? His name is Melchizedek. And he's this mysterious king priest. And he's a king priest over an area called the area of Salem. Uh, theologians agree. He's the king priest, an early king priest at the time of Abram over what would become the city of Jerusalem. And you remember what Abram does? He, uh, Melchizedek comes and offers Abram bread and wine, two interesting things that we see later in the ultimate king priest, Jesus, at the Last Supper. And Abram gives him a tenth of the spoils. Think with me. Melchizedek is the ruler, king, priest over Jerusalem. And Abram, the father of the Jewish nation, offers him a tithe. Here's a consideration. Do you think the tithe that Abram gave Melchizedek was a sort of down payment for the future headquarters of the nation? Do you think that before Jerusalem ever took center stage in the life of Israel, Abram was in some way giving an offering for the future of what this city would represent to the Jews? Just a thought, but kind of an interesting thought, isn't it? And later on, King David, the man after our God's own heart, would come to this city, to this place called Jerusalem. You will remember that this city also takes on prominence because there's another scene in the book of Genesis where Abraham now, his name's been changed, is told to take his son, his only son, whom he loves, and take him up to a mountain that God would show him. Now, if you've ever studied this passage before, you know that the mountain that God directed Abraham to, along with Isaac, the son of promise, was called Mount Moriah. By the way, Mount Moriah is Jerusalem. In fact, there are those who have studied the archaeology and the history of the land that believe that where Isaac was potentially going to be offered by Abraham because God stopped him is the same spot where 2,000 years later another father gave his son. But this time, that son of promise, the hammer, would come down. He would die for the sins of the world. In this case, God stopped Abraham from sacrificing his son. And it said there in Genesis 22, I think it's verse 14, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And it was looking forward to the coming of the Messiah who would die for the sins of the world. Isaac is a type of Christ. Abraham is a type of the father who so loved the world that he gave his son. And Isaac name, Isaac's name, interestingly enough, means laughter. And Abraham thought he was going to have to kill his laughter, kill the son of promise. I believe Abraham believed that if he had to kill him, God would raise him from the dead, but God stopped him. And on this mountain, it was said the Lord would provide. It will be provided, and God did provide. He provided the answer to all that, all that hurts our hearts. All of our ills, all of our griefs, all of our sorrows were laid upon him. And David is now going to go to this area and he's going to relocate his capital to Jerusalem. In the recent history of our own world, the Jews finally recaptured control of Jerusalem. It happened, by the way, in 1967. In 70 AD, the Jews lost control of Jerusalem. They regained it in 1967. 
I won't ask you for a show of hands, but some of you were born before 1967. So it's happened in your lifetime. Something, by the way, that many people thought would never happen. That Israel now has control of Jerusalem and President Trump has been talking about moving our embassy to Jerusalem. But you all know there's been a lot of controversy in this area of the world. And I would just tell you, if you're interested in prophecy, keep your eye on Jerusalem. Because it's going to be at the center of the world when the last days unfold. In fact, Jerusalem will become a cup of trembling for all the nations. It will become a burdensome stone. It's always been the center of controversy. But here, David, who is a shadow of the coming Messiah, he goes to Jerusalem. His first official act as king, verse 6, is to go with his men to Jerusalem against the Jebusites. They were the inhabitants of the land. And they said to David, you shall not come in here, but the blind and lame shall turn you away, thinking David cannot enter here. Now, this language is a little bit difficult, but I'll say this to you. Here's what I think is going on. The city of Jerusalem was in many ways an impenetrable city, the way it's up on a mountain and so forth. It was really only accessible from the north. So anybody who was up there at this time, and at this time it was the Jebusites, thought that just because of the topography of the land, any foreign army trying to come in, all they would need is the blind and the lame to stop them. That's, that's kind of how they put it. They weren't putting people down in that sense, but they were just saying, the blind and the lame could defeat you because it's no big deal. The city is, the city is impenetrable. And so when the Jebusites heard that David was coming up, they said it shouldn't be a problem. They were overconfident. And they thought, ah, it's going to be easy to deal with David and his desires to take this city. And so here's what happens now. And I, I, want, I want to just say to you for a second here before we move on. Uh, as you look at the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, some people look at this and they look at the Bible account and they say, what right does David have to go up and take this spot? Who does he think he is to, you know, the, the Jebusites are there. You could say it's their land. What's he doing going into their land? Everybody turn in your Bibles to Genesis 15. Genesis 15. So this is the chapter where God makes an unconditional covenant with Abram. He's made an incredible promise that he'll have all these descendants, that they will outnumber the stars of the sky, Genesis 15. God cuts the covenant uh, it's all based upon God. In fact, Abram's asleep when all of this is taking place. And here's what God says. This is Genesis 15, 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, Genesis 15, 18. And he said, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenite, the Kenizzite, the Kadmonite, the Hittite, this is verse 20, the Perizzite, the Rephim, the Amorite, the Coronite, oh, I'm sorry, no, that's, a, that's the Canaanite, the Girgashite, everybody mark this, and what? The Jebusite. Now, who was in the land of Jerusalem? The Jebusites. God had made a promise, get this, way back when God made this unconditional covenant with Abram, who then would birth Isaac 
and then Jacob. And Jacob would be renamed Israel. Early on, he said, look, you've got this land. It's given to your descendants. Look at verse 18, Genesis 15. It's from the river of Egypt as far as the great river Euphrates. And then he names all these people groups that are there. Hey folks, I've been telling you about different ways that you can connect with Walk in Truth. And one of the ways you can do it through modern technology is download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll have access to all kinds of cool resources, including one thing I'm going to highlight today, which is a devotional. It's a video devotion I've done on, will God give you any more than you can handle? Question mark. I'm sure you've had that question. It's a five minute video devotion. It'll bless you. You can refer friends to it and hopefully it'll help you with your walk. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth and check out the devotion today. God bless you. Who does he think he is to, you know, the the Jebusites are there. You could say it's their land. What's he doing going into their land? Everybody turn in your Bibles to Genesis 15. Genesis 15. So this is the chapter where God makes an unconditional covenant with Abram. He's made an incredible promise that he'll have all these descendants, that they will outnumber the stars of the sky, Genesis 15. God cuts the covenant. Uh, It's all based upon God. In fact, Abram's asleep when all of this is taking place. And here's what God says. This is Genesis 15, 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, Genesis 15, 18. And he said, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenite, the Kenizzite, the Cadmonite, the Hittite, this is verse 20, the Perizzite, the Rephaim, the Amorite, the Coronite, oh, I'm sorry, no, that's, a, that's the Canaanite, the Girgashite, everybody mark this, and what? The Jebusite. Now, who was in the land of Jerusalem? The Jebusites. God had made a promise, get this, way back when God made this unconditional covenant with Abram, who then would birth Isaac, And then Jacob, and Jacob would be renamed Israel. Early on, he said, look, you've got this land. It's given to your descendants. Look at verse 18, Genesis 15. It's from the river of Egypt as far as the great river Euphrates. And then he names all these people groups that are there. And he says, look, you're going to have all of it, including the area of the Jebusites. Now, another scripture to your right is the book of Exodus, the next book, 23. Exodus 23, Moses has led the children of Israel, out of Egypt. They're going to take the promised land. We all know that that didn't go very well, right? They circled the desert for 40 years and would not obey God. Exodus 23, look at verse 23. God says, my angel, 23, 23, will go before you, bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and who? the Jebusites, and I will completely destroy them. You shall not worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their deeds, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their sacred pillars in pieces. So David, if you go back to 2 Samuel, now to your right, is going to take this land of Jerusalem. By the way, he's going to do what Israel failed to do. I think if you study the book of Joshua, you will find that The Israelites had some success in this area, but did not fully conquer this area and and really didn't even fully conquer the promised land. And we know why. 
because they imbibed the ways of the people. They were enamored with idols and idolatry. They did not fully carry out what God said to do. And God had promised the land. It was the promised land. And by the way, it includes a huge area that's under debate right now. And David goes up. And David's going to do what Israel failed to do in many ways, also typifying Jesus who does for Israel what they failed to do. He becomes a light to the Gentiles. He's baptized in the Jordan, not for his own sake, but to retrace the fallen footsteps of Israel, to fulfill all righteousness, to die on the cross, to defeat the devil. And David, verse 7, captured the stronghold of Zion, 2 Samuel 5, 7. That is the city of David. This was the city's fortress or citadel. When you see stronghold of Zion there, perhaps the well-fortified city itself. Located on the southeastern ridge of later the city of Jerusalem, it was the ridge overlooking the Kidron Valley. It was originally known as Zion. So you'll notice in verse 7, it calls it the stronghold of Zion. A lot of you have read your Bibles and you, you wonder, what's with Zion and Jerusalem and Mount Zion and all these what seem to be interchangeable names for the same area? because the mountain was actually called, or at least a portion of it, was called Zion. You can reference uh, 1 Kings 8.1, the city of David, which is Zion. Zion will become a name that is mentioned often in the Psalms and prophets. This is partly because the name was taken and applied to the hill on the north side of the city of Solomon's day, where the temple was built. Mount Zion came to refer to the temple mount or Mount Moriah. This is all synonyms for the same area of the world. God always had his eye on this area. This is always a city that was part of his heart that he wanted to set up shop, if you will. And God's promises revolve around Zion. I'm going to take you through just a few Psalms. Go to your right, Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Psalms are in the middle of your Bible, pretty much. Psalm chapter 2. Here's what God says. He's talking about the coming king, and he says in verse 6 of Psalm 2, but as for me, Psalm 2, 6, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell, Psalm 2, 7, of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as thine inheritance. By the way, in the future, we'll see the nations streaming to Jerusalem as Jesus rules with a rod of iron. The nations is thy inheritance. The very ends of the earth is thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O king, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the sun, lest he become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Turn over to Psalm 48. We're looking at this uh, idea of Zion being part of the, the holy mountain. Psalm 48 is a psalm of the sons of Korah. And this is how it reads. Psalm 48, look at verse 1. It says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, his holy mountain. Psalm 48, 2. Beautiful in elevation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the far north the city of the great king. God in her palaces has made himself known as a stronghold. 
If you skip down to verse 11 of the same Psalm, 48, 11, it says, let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of thy judgments. Walk about Zion. Go around her, count her towers. Consider her ramparts. Go through her palaces that you may tell it to the next generation. For such is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us until death. In Psalm 50, verse 2, this is a psalm of Asaph, and it says these words. 1 and 2 says, The mighty one God the Lord has spoken. Summon the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shown forth. And flip over to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. This is the final one we'll look at, although we could do more. But Psalm 84, verse 5 says these words. Psalm 84, verse 5. How blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through, 84.6, the valley of Baca. They make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. That means pause, ponder. Think about it. It's a pause in the, in the song. Behold our shield, O God. Look upon the face of thine anointed. For, in, for a day in thy courts is better than what? A thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. This is the place. This is the city. Back to 2 Samuel 5. The city of God. God's king now establishing the picture of the coming king and kingdom. Just write, that, write this down for your notes. Hebrews 12.22 says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels. This city is our city. It's in our heart. In fact, if you've ever had a chance to go to Jerusalem, uh, to go to Israel and see Jerusalem, it's a thrilling experience. But there's going to be a new Jerusalem. There's going to be a place where righteousness dwells and where it's going to be a city of peace and a city of blessing. Peter says, this is contained in scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. First Peter 2, 6. And then Revelation 14, 1 says, I looked and behold, the lamb was standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having his name in the name of his father, written on their foreheads. So here's David. He comes to the city. The city is not looking forward to his arrival because they know he wants to take the city. This is 2 Samuel 5, verse 8. And David said on that day, whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him reach the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul through the water tunnel. Therefore they say, the blind or the lame shall not come into the house. Now, this has gotten all kinds of speculation. But here's what I think is going on. I think David is taunting the Jebusites for taunting him. I think perhaps at some point they sent a messenger or they maybe yelled down to David and his army, the blind and the lame will keep you out of here. You're nothing. You can't touch us. And I think David retorted with, oh yeah? 
Well, here we go. We're going to deal with the blind and the lame. And I think what he was saying was, we'll deal with the Jebusites. I think this is a taunt back to their taunt. They said, well, there's no way you can get up here. Our city's defenses are too good. The city's impressive defense made them sure that David would not be able to come in. They didn't even think they needed a military defense against him. But David suggested they go up through this water tunnel. Excavations on Mount Zion have revealed a water shaft known today as Warren Shaft that would have been difficult but not impossible to climb. It leads into the city from the Gihon Springs down the Kidron Valley outside the city walls. Perhaps they were also uh, referring to the water supply that David was going to try to cut off from the inhabitants. This was a form of war, and David was going to take the city because this was supposed to be Israel's city from the beginning. The Jebusites shouldn't have been there anyway. And so it was time for a battle. By the way, let me just say to you that I don't think that David was saying anything derogatory about people who struggle with disabilities. After all, he invited Mephibosheth into his house, who was what? He was lame. David had the heart of Jesus in many ways, not perfectly, but Jesus came into the temple. Matthew 21, 14 says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done and the children who were crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant. Jesus was healing people left and right, including the blind and the lame. This is more about a war kind of taunting back and forth that is happening here. And uh, excuse me, David suggested that they go through the water tunnel. We don't have a lot about the battle, but here's what we do have. David lived, verse 9, in the stronghold and called it the city of David. There's an old city down below, or down below the mountain, the uh, Temple Mount today called the city of David or the old city. And David built all around it from the Milo and inward. David is now planted in the city of God. And I think our narrator wants us just to pause for a second. Just take a breath. Everybody breathe for a second. This is the city of God. So later, this model of the temple would be built by David's son and his name is Solomon. Solomon will actually come through Bathsheba and we'll get to that story about how David will blow it and commit adultery and murder and all of that. But this city is going to have this edifice. And if you just look up at the screen for a second, this is a model of the edifice, but it, it was an incredible structure. And what you're looking at mainly here is the holy place and the holy of holies, the, the inner sanctum, if you will, the place where the children of Israel would descend three times a year to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Now, we do know that worship was not perfect here. But this is where God said, you will come and meet me. This would be the center of the world. You might ask questions like, why does anybody even care about Israel today? Why do they care about Israeli-American relations or for that matter, relationships with anybody who deals with Israel? Because this place, even though it's a small sliver of land in the Middle East, God has written his heart and his name there forever. Hey folks, I'm excited to tell you about another way that you can connect with Walk in Truth. Download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll find a lot of cool resources. You'll be able to listen to messages. You can access devotionals. 
and you can partner with Walk in Truth and help us reach more people. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth, and find a lot of cool resources there. I know it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.